Welcome into another edition of Tampa 2. Casey Phillips here with staff writer Bree Dix, and we are here to talk about the win over the Saints that was so epic and took years off of our lives, <laughs> and look ahead to the 49ers game and everything in between. So uh, let's start with the Saints game. Tell me all your thoughts, all of your feels, now that you've had oh some my days to Ooh, digest. Hyperventilating yes. in a person like for sure. But I would say for me, it's resiliency. And although it may sound cliche, I think fight is what best summarizes that game and you know for three and a half quarters it was kind of the same offensive issues that we were seeing not able to sustain drives we're only able to muster a Ryan Suckup field goal through 57 minutes of the game and then the last four minutes of that game you know put together two methodical drives scored two touchdowns and I think it was just encouraging to see the way that Brady spread out the ball I mean you had Julio Jones, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Kate Otten, Rashad White, Leonard Fournette, I mean, got everyone involved. And then defensively, they were able to put the offense in prime position by forcing those two timely punts under the final five minutes. And then you had Carl Nassib with two critical stops, the pass deflection and then the sack. So I think that was encouraging to see at the end of the game how they were able to go into that hurry-up mode, create that sense of urgency, but it's okay, now moving forward, can they build on that and can they create that for four quarters? Yeah, I thought that it, I completely agree with you. And I, I feel like this is one of the things that people have said about having Brady on the team and the way that it just makes you feel like you're never out of it. Yes. That when he is the best at fourth quarter comebacks in the history of the NFL yeah. and you, there's no point differential, there's no situation, there's nothing that just ever makes you feel like there's no hope. And I think that's a very powerful yeah. thing because teams can say that, but there's a difference in really feeling it, believing it. And I also loved that it showed how there are so many guys on this team capable of making plays, both that are rookies, that are mm -hmm. backups, maybe some of the less traditional guys that you would expect to be the, the people we're talking about making yeah. the game-defining plays, that it is the Carl Nassa plays, it's the Keanu Neal huge yeah. hit on Taysom Hill, and that your final two touchdowns are scored by, by rookies. rookies. I'm, I'm amazed. And, I mean, those are positions that can be challenging as a rookie, mm -hmm. that there's a lot to take on as a tight end, there can be a lot to learn as a running back in terms of pass protection and things like that, and that you wouldn't always feel confident to go to them. And to right. hear that Brady's calling for Rashad's number – I just feel like this should give Bucks fans so much excitement and hope the fact that, you know, guys like Kate Otten and Rashad White are showing that the future of mm -hmm. this offense is bright. And I think yeah. that's always great to see when young guys have that kind of confidence in themselves and their teammates have that kind of confidence in them. That was one of my favorite things about that game yeah. and what that said. So um, I, I do think it's going to be interesting to see if watching how this went these last couple drives – if you feel like you need to run no huddle or up tempo a little bit more often, I know people are now basically calling for it for like the whole game, and it's like, okay, calm down, like <laughs> chill out, <laughs> chill out. Like, uh, yes, of course that would be super fun to watch, but might kill your defense along the way because <laughs> yeah. that means that, that you have a higher chance of you know these three and outs to take no time off the clock Not whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. So I I do think it'll be interesting to see. Do you try it a little bit more often? Maybe you see it a little bit more at the end of a quarter or a half, yeah. you know, stuff like that. that you can tell, boy, they're, they're pretty good at it. So yeah. uh, I think it'll be interesting to see if you do occasionally run a, a little bit more no huddle, but it's definitely not something that is going to be as sustainable as I'm sure people would right. like for it to but be. I mean, it, it keeps defenses off balance. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't allow them time to make substitutions. Yep. And you see how it's burned 
defenses they've gone up against with now the Rams and then the Saints game. So yeah, so I it'll be interesting to see. Uh, all right, so let's uh, start our attention towards the San Francisco game, and uh, boy, just. Quite a matchup yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good team. And uh, tell us what you think are the keys to this game to beating the San Francisco 49ers. I think the biggest keys for me in this game is going to be can this Bucks defense control gaps and can they set the edge? Because Kyle Shanahan's offense is predicated on creating mismatches and guys generating those yards after the catch. You know, whether that's jet sweeps, whether that's screens, whether that's outside zone runs. You know, they stress C-gap assignments with their second-level blocking, with, you know, Trent Williams, with Kyle Juszczyk, with George Kittle. And that puts such a stress on defenses. And then you have their Swiss Army Knives in both Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, who are both rushing and receiving threats. And they use a lot of 21 personnel, you know, two running backs, a tight end. But they kind of deceive it into 11 personnel. But it's like when... If teams, okay, say you stack the box and you allocate more resources up front, well, then Brock Purdy can hit Brandon Ayuk down the field. So I think it's there's a lot of nuances that go into their, their offensive attack. They're so well coached. They're a very physical team. So it's okay. Can the Buccaneers defense match that physicality? And can you keep guys from, from gashing you and creating those those chunk yardage after after catches. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's going to be so interesting to watch. It just feels so unfair that you can have a Debo Samuel and, and a Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey. Like, know. geez, that's just not fair. That's too many Swiss Army knives. One's enough. <laughs> One is sufficient. We don't need two. Um, yeah. I think that I'll say my key is is to the opposite side, and, and this will probably go along with the, the matchup to look at. But, um, I mean, when the San Francisco 49ers have the top defense in the league in terms of yards and points yep. allowed – um, you know, and, and we've seen this Bucks offense, even even though they were able to win that game and they, they put together those drives at the very end, until those last two, you still saw some of the same struggles offensively. I don't know that the Saints game leaves you feeling like they solved Believed, all the, yeah. the pro, all of the issues on the offense. And to go against the top defense in the league, when you feel like you are still occasionally struggling to not go three and out or sustain drives right. or, you know, get the ball to Mike Evans in certain situations. Like, there's just still a few things, you know, as Brady talked about them all trying to get on the same page, it's just not necessarily what you want to be hearing when you're going against that defense. And, you know, Nick Bosa, who's ridiculous. Yeah. So I that think um, for me it is a little bit more on the offensive side that I would say it's the keys to the game are going to be limiting them being able to really get to Brady a lot. Yeah. Uh, can you can you run the ball at all? Can you get some yard? Can you sustain drives? Because when you talked about that, yeah, like the defense is going to have a lot on their plate. Yes. You do not want them tired. So for me, the key to the game is going to be, can the offense put together sustained drives? Mm -hmm. Can they stay on the field long enough to give the defense some breathers right. to be able to be running around like crazy people trying to chase all those weapons on the field and yeah. be mentally sharp to be, as you talked about, the way they disguise their personnel and who, how they're going to use people. I just think it's going to be third downs on offense, staying on the mm -hmm. field, that even separate from how the points come, can you just stay right. on the field for a while? Um, of course, it would be great if there were turnovers produced to kind of help give the offense – 
help in that area. Right. But we've seen that that's been elusive for the Bucks for a long time this season, that, that turnovers have just somehow not been coming their way. So I think, therefore, you have to bet on the offense being the ones to be able to stay on the field longer to give the, the defense a bit of a breather. Um, how about the matchup uh, for you that you were most excited to watch? I'm going to go – you mentioned Nick Bosa. Yeah, so I figured. So I'm going to go <laughs> – now, he is also dealing with an injury. You know, he's been on San Francisco's injury report, so we'll see what his availability is. But if he does go, mine is certainly going to be Donovan Smith against Nick Bosa. And, I mean, I think this game, as you've mentioned, could very well hinge in the trenches. You know, can the Bucks' offensive line keep Brady upright? Can they get pushed to get the run game going? And Bosa's a guy that you cannot leave on an island one-on-one. You're going to have to get some of those chips. You're going to have to get help because he ha- he can do it all. He has the power. He has the speed. He has the understanding of leverage. He has, you know, that vast array of moves, that lethal dip rip. So, okay, it's can Donovan Smith be fundamentally sound. And D'Amico Ryan's their defensive coordinator – is really great about creating those advantageous one-on-one matchups. You know, bringing Fred Warner up to rush, which kind of creates that manufactured free run at the quarterback. And they're really good on, you know, twists and stunts. So can this offensive line stay sharp? Can they be able to get this offense going and to be able to sustain drives and not be put in those third and long situations that we've seen for the better part of the season. Yeah. So that matchup is going to be be huge how they're able to contend with him. Yeah, I think I probably would have said the Nick Bosa versus everybody kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and especially even Only like go. Casey Rogers talked about the fact that these rookie tight ends are getting thrown in against the likes of a Cam Jordan, a Nick Bosa, right. you know, that it's it, that's why I say versus everybody mm-hmm. because it's the O-line, it's your tight ends giving help, it's your are your running backs mm-hmm. able to set, you know, be able to protect Brady in that situation as well. But then so since you talked about Nick Bosa, I, I'll go on the other side and I think I will probably say our linebackers, both inside and outside. It's I would say be a huge game. Yeah, I think that the idea of knowing they're going to have to play so sound that you would think going against a rookie quarterback, it wouldn't necessarily be this way. But we saw last week that there's always that assumption, oh, it's a rookie, let's throw everything, let's send the house. They went zero on him, they sent everybody. And man, to his credit, he stood in there, he didn't panic, he delivered the ball, and it really wasn't that effective. Yeah, really wasn't effective sending the house. So now I would like to think that We've seen that the Bucks are incredibly good and creative at blitzing in some different ways that are confusing even for, you know, we saw that we made Aaron, you know, Aaron Rodgers is having a call, timeout, you know, whatever. So I would like to think that they'll still be able to do that with some of their creative blitzes, but I think that really it is going to be more about that sound fundamental thing you talked earlier about setting the edge. You know they're going to want to get the ball to Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel in space. You know they're going to be sitting up the screen game and, you know, even dump offs if that's not the original game plan where you know that those outside areas are going to be so important. And just being the the fundamentally sound game and like you talked about where they disguise stuff, is it 21, is it 11, what are they going to be doing? Devin White's going to have to really be on his game of what he's communicating. And just in general, I think – the communication is going to be so important for this team. And think, I, I'm really thankful that Logan Ryan is back because that's what all the coaches talk about for him too is that he's so good at communication. Mm-hmm. So maybe he can lend some help there as well. But, yeah, I just feel like your outside linebackers, your inside linebackers having to really not give up some of those chunk plays around the edge or to those dump-off guys, right. uh, that, that's going to be a huge key. Um, how about a, a player to watch for you? I am going to go with Kate Otten. Because I like it. 
he's been a guy that has garnered the trust of Tom Brady, which is no easy task for a first-year player. He's been kind of emerged over the middle of the field on those short to intermediate down the seam. And, you know, teams haven't really had a lot of success doing that against the 49ers because even if their defense goes into a too-high shell, which kind of invites teams to be able to exploit the middle of the field on those underneath areas, they haven't been able to do that because Fred Warner takes that away and is one of the best off-ball linebackers in the NFL. So I would like to see kind of how Kate Auten is able to emerge and hopefully get that going because if they bring the pass rush, Brady's going to need to be able to get it out quick. And Auten's been one of those guys that he's been able to go to early and often. So, you know, it's kind of are they able to get that short passing game going with Auten? And, I mean, he showcased the ability to sink in, you know, in coverage and – find those soft spots and zones. So I'm excited to see what he's able to do on Sunday. Yeah, I think for me, I'm going to go kind of with what you mentioned in your matchup to watch. I think I'm going to go with Donovan Smith because I want to see how he responds to this last week. That yeah. He took a lot of heat, and understandably so. I mean, that's the thing about being an offensive lineman. You don't get credit a lot of times when you do things right. But, man, if you do it bad, if you do it bad and your number yeah. gets called, and especially on a potential game-winning touchdown, you know, that's, that's tough. And – for him to know what a huge matchup he has potentially this week if Nick Bosa does play and just yeah. their defense in general, does he rise to, to the occasion? occasion? Yeah. How does he handle that? And just, I mean, this is a veteran guy, his eighth season, and he is going to know how much they need him this week. And I'm sure there's been a lot of discussion with his coaches and teammates. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> and I just, I'm excited to see how he rises to that challenge and that occasion because, like you said, I mean, he is going to be such a key to how this game goes. And so I'm excited to, to watch that and see how he handles it. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit about the injury report. What are some of the biggest names that have been on this list or off the list mm -hmm. that are standing out to you for the Buccaneers and what that might mean? Well, Leonard Fournette was added yesterday with a foot injury. He was limited, and we still don't have – Mike Edwards isn't practicing with the hamstring. You still don't have Antoine Winfield Jr. You still don't have Tristan Wirfs um, this week, and I, it's – Probably looking like Tristan and Antoine won't be playing this week. So it's, okay, how can guys step up? You know, Josh Wells, Logan Ryan, you mentioned Keanu Neal in place of Antoine. Because going up against a 49ers team that is on the rise and has won five straight. Yep. Yeah, I think that's going to be really interesting to watch. All right, let's get into our quote of the week. What do you have there? I am going to go with a quote from Byron Leftwich when he was asked about Chris Godwin. And he said, I just remember where he was at before he got hurt. It seemed like he was catching 15 passes a game. He and Tom Brady were in a good spot. I don't even think it's been a year yet since the actual day where he got hurt. The fact that he's even out there, been out there for us, just says how good of a football player he is and how he approached this offseason. We know he's going to get better. We know he's only going to get better with time the more he can be out there. You see it almost every day. I see a little bit more coming every day, and I'm happy for him. So I think it's just exciting to see that hard work pay off 
him starting to stack games together, get more confident, get games under his belt, and in the impact that he's been able to have. Yeah, I totally agree. I loved that quote, and it's just it's been so cool to see how hard Chris worked, and mm -hmm. even then getting hurt the first game with that hamstring, oh. and how demoralizing. Devastation. Oh, <laughs> God, I can't even imagine. And so to technically come back twice, to yeah. not at any point let that get him down mentally, and to stick with it. I mean, man, rehabbing's a lonely place. Yeah. And uh, I just am so impressed with how he's handled it and that he's come back and, and is still willing to do the dirty work. Mm -hmm. Sometimes after an injury, somebody might play a little bit more timid, might make some right. uh, business decisions, as they call them, and he's, he's not he's doing that. He's in there on the blocks. Yeah, he's in there <laughs> on the blocks. He's doing all of it. He is the same Chris Godwin mentally, right. and now it's looking like physically as well. So that is exciting. Um, my quote, I had a few quotes I was going to use, and we've talked about a lot of them because they were just very good uh, information about going against the 49ers. Uh, Casey Rogers, the run game coordinator and defensive line coach, I, I thought it was interesting. He was asked about uh, Brock Purdy and if it, you know, especially whether or not, you know, having some tape on him of, yeah. you know, sometimes you get a, a, a rookie quarterback in there, or just a new quarterback, and you're the first team to really have a full game against him. It's like, man, do you even know what they're going to do? And so they were asking, is it helpful that you at least have his 37 snaps from last week on tape to look at and he ended up saying well what we've seen is that the offense didn't change that it'd be different if we went in there and said that they totally switched the offense they kept doing what they did and didn't really change anything and that's the thing stayed with the same game plan and from what we saw they have a lot of confidence in him and he just runs their offense so I find this both good and bad for the Buccaneers uh yeah. good in the sense that it does they don't feel like oh my gosh we don't know what could be thrown at us that it right. feels like their offense is the same the downside is their offense is the same, and it's a pretty good one. And yeah. that you would think any time that you have a veteran guy like Jimmy G that goes down and a rookie stepping in, that this would be a bigger boost for the Buccaneers. But it just isn't feeling that way for two different reasons. One, that like what he just talked about, that nothing's really going to change because they have so many playmakers and just have the ability to get it out of their quarterback's hand into any of their hands and let them do their thing, that it's just asking less of the rookie right. quarterback. But also just the idea that everyone talking about Brock Purdy talks about him having this moxie, this confidence. He doesn't act like a rookie. I read some articles talking about how he gets in there and he's bossing veterans around, that he, <laughs> he's not acting like that. And good for him, but, man, I, I think that that is – that is the hardest kind of rookie quarterback to go against is one that doesn't think of like they're a rookie, doesn't act mm -hmm. like they're a rookie. So I do think it will be interesting to see, can you get a lead early in a way that forces him to have to do more? more. Yeah. And can you rattle him in any way? That if he Maybe he is the guy that he's got more confidence than the average rookie, but I think that if you can get maybe Vita and Akeem some pressure in his face – you know, if you can do some things to confuse him, get him back on his heels a bit early, I think that's going to be really important to try to do something to make him not feel like he can just, you know, right. dink and dunk it to these guys and not have to do very much. So, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I thought that was interesting that they're like, look, it's the same offense. And it's like, well, that's a bummer because that's a good one. So it was uh, hopeful that it was going to change a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, all right, well, that is going to do it for us on this edition of Tampa 2. Thank you so much for being with us, and we'll see you next week.